Well, happy Mother's Day. Let's go ahead, and just before we do that, let's, tra- let's pray real quick, and then we'll transition, um, transition from there. Father God, thank you for today. Thank you just for, uh, for how you've created us, for the fact that it was your design um, for the family, Lord. Thank you for mothers. Uh, today, it was one of those that I was thinking about Jesus and how his relationship with his mom and how that was an important one for him. And so thank you for that. So I pray specifically right now, Father, for those who this may be the first year uh, without mom, or maybe it's been several years, but it doesn't make it any easier. I pray just for good memories. And Father, for those who um, are in the middle of it right now or expecting, Lord, that you would just uh, shower them with blessings and praise today. Um, we are thankful for you, and we pray now, Lord, as we transition into a time where we are going to dig into your word, I pray right now that your spirit would move in this place, Father, and that we would respond to that. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So it's March 2020. I'm sitting at Camp Tecumseh in this room that uh, we've been meeting in with a group of people for most of the weekend. Um, for the, leading up to that, for the last couple of years, I've been trying to coordinate a good friend of mine or a good acquaintance of mine to come in to train me and others on how to lead spiritual formation retreats. And now it's finally happened. He's here and um, part of what he is training us in, he's taking us through a, a silence and solitude retreat. And if you know me, I don't like silence and I don't like to be by myself. So silence and solitude to, for me sometimes is very, very difficult. And this particular time, um, this was the portion where we were practicing silence. And with that, what we were invited into was go and be with God. Don't take your Bible Don't take a book to read. Don't take your journal. Because what you will do is you will find a way to make noise, even if it is just reading something, instead of just learning to sit and listen. And so as I'm sitting in this room, it takes me a while to kind of come to. It takes me a while to calm down, to to block out all of the rest of the noise. And as I'm sitting there, probably about 15 to 20 minutes in, I get this word from the Lord. And this word from the Lord comes to me, and it's very kind, it's very encouraging. It's not an audible voice, but it it is a message from Him that is clearly Him speaking to me. And it's one for me that then when I came back and shared it with Chris, he was like, Drew, you need to write that down. You need to remember that, because this will be a word that will guide and will direct you for the rest of your life. It was a word of purpose. And for me, and for all of us, I think, for us to be able to experience God and what He has for us, we have to be able to slow down, to quiet out the noise, to hear what He has to say to us. Today, we are in week four of a five-week series where we're taking a closer look at this garden imagery. It started week one in Genesis with Adam and Eve when they were in the garden. Then we went to the Psalms where we looked at Psalm 1 where David writes about when we are in this garden, how we can 
live on the living water, how we can thrive and flourish with the living water that comes with following Jesus. Last week, Daniel talked about prayer and how we can start to align our hearts with God in prayer to experience that life. And today, we are going to be in the Garden of Gethsemane with Jesus, an actual time where he is in the garden. We're going to look at that and see what can we learn from Jesus and then apply to our lives to start to experience this garden reality where we are at. Because the truth is this. The garden reality, this imagery is supposed to remind us, one, that in the garden is where we walk and where we talk with God. It's a place where we can flourish. It's a place where we can find rest. But what we're going to see today is the garden is also a place where we can go when we're going through a difficult time. It can be a place to go when things are stressful. We're going to see that with Jesus today. So go ahead and turn with me to Matthew 26, starting in verse 36 is where we're going to be. Just to kind of set the scene as you're getting there. So this is right after uh, he has eaten the Passover meal with his disciples in the upper room. So they're in Jerusalem for Passover. Very busy time in Jerusalem. A lot of people are coming in because of Passover. And so because of that, all of the hustle and bustle, as Jesus is starting to prepare his mind and his heart to go to the cross, what he does is he gets away to a quiet place. He takes his disciples, and let's meet him there here in verse 36. Then Jesus came to the place called Gethsemane and told his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. Taking Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. He said to them, I am deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here with me and stay awake with me. Going a little farther, he fell face down and prayed, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass through me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to his disciples and found them sleeping. He asked Peter, so you couldn't stay awake with me for one hour? Stay awake and pray so that you will not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, a second time he went away and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. He, again, he came again and found them sleeping because they could not keep their eyes open. After leaving them, he went again, way again and prayed a third time, saying the same thing once more, and then said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? See, the time is near. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hand of sinners. Get up, let's go. I see my betrayer is near. The garden imagery that we see through Genesis to Revelation is one that has some different aspects to it. And today, what I'd like to do is break it down into three different sections, three different things for us to pay attention to in order to see how can we live our life in a way that honors God and follows Jesus' example. The first of one is this. We need to be able to get away and be with God. We need to be able to get away and be with God. Again, this is a time where Jesus is very stressed. 
Again, in my opinion, and some other scholars will agree, this is probably where we see Jesus' humanity most fully displayed. And in that time, what does he do? He doesn't stay in the hustle bustle of the city, but he goes to a quiet place. And he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane. And the Garden of Gethsemane is at the, at the base of the Mount of Olives, which is right outside the city of Jerusalem. And if you read through the Gospel accounts, you will see that Jesus and his disciples often went to the Mount of Olives. So this would have been a common place for them to go, a place they would have known and would have been a quiet place for them to retreat from all of the busyness that was surrounding the ministry of Jesus. So for us, have you been there before? Have you been in the place where you are overwhelmed, where you're feeling stressed out, where you don't know if you can go further? Do you have a place where you can go and meet with God? Maybe for you, this is on your back porch on a swing. Maybe you have a fire pit in your backyard, and for you to go and make a fire and to sit there, that's a place where you can, you know when you are there, you are going to experience the presence of God. Maybe for you, it's a bench in a park. Maybe for you, it's a comfy chair that's in your living room. Wherever it may be, if you do not have this place, it would be my encouragement to you to find it. A consistent place that you know that when you go there, you are expecting to encounter the living God. And whether you are in a place of celebration or whether you are in a place of sorrow, this is a place where you can go and meet with the Father. There's a story about Susanna uh, Wesley. That's a pretty popular story, but I thought it was fitting for today. So Susanna Wesley is the mother of John and Charles Wesley. And John and Charles Wesley were two of 19 kids that she had. 19 kids. Now, unfortunately, nine of those children she lost in infancy or at birth. So most of the time she had 10 kids that were running around her small little house. And unfortunately for her, her husband didn't help out a lot. He was in prison twice for fraud. So most of the time, it was her in this small house, in poverty, raising these 10 kids. And for her, her practice, when she needed to get away and to pray, whether it was to pray for her kids, whether it was to mourn the loss of those that she had lost, whether it was to pray for her husband, what she would do is she'd sit on a stool and she'd take her apron and she'd put it over top of her head. And this was her visual cue to her kids that, hey, mom is not available right now. Because <laughs> she was spending time with the father. And I think the beautiful picture of this is it was twofold purpose. One, again, for her kids to know, don't go bother mom right now. She is with the Lord. She's praying. And two, also for her to be able to set a distinct place that she knew that when that apron went over her head, her mind, her mind was going to shift. And the, the cares and the things that she was carrying for that day, all of the to-do list that had to get done was going to be put on pause as she met with the Father. So maybe for you, what does that look like? Maybe at your office place, there's a place where you can go and your coworkers can know when he, when he or she is there, he, is, he or she is not to be bothered a place where you can go and meet with God. So those around you know that's what you're doing, but also so that you can go and connect with the Father. This could be your garden spot, if you will. Secondly, 
We need to persevere with one another. We see that with Jesus here. He took His disciples to the garden. He didn't go there alone. He took His disciples with Him. And not only did He take the disciples with Him, but then He took three of the disciples a little bit further. And this is a common thing that we see with Jesus. That He had three, Peter, James, and John, that were allowed to be a little bit closer. They were able to see some of the things that went on in Jesus' ministry that not all of the disciples got to see. And the reality with that is this, and I've said this probably more than anything that I've said in the six years that I've been here. We were created and designed to be in relationship with one another. We were created and we were designed to be in relationship with God. And when we are isolated, that is when the enemy can come in and can attack. And so for us, it is good to have community around us. It's good to be involved with a men's group or a women's group or a small group, some group of people that can know you who can pray for you. But it's really important to have a group of two or three that can pray for you. Jesus knew this. We see this several different times in the gospel. First of all, it's in Matthew 9. We read when he goes into Jairus' house to raise his daughter from the dead. He didn't allow all the disciples in. He brought in three, Peter, James and John. When he goes up to be transfigured, to see his glory, to spend time with the Father, to be there with Moses and Elijah, and for some people to get a true picture, a true picture of who he really was, he didn't take all of the disciples with him. He took three Peter, James, and John. And here, at one of the diff most difficult times of his life and ministry, when he is grieved to the point of death, he does not take all of the disciples with him but he takes Peter, James, and John. We are called to persevere with one another in tough times. So my question now is, do you have that group of people? Do you have those people that when you are going through a really tough time, you know that you can reach out and they, are, they will partner with you in prayer? If you don't, my encouragement to you is to start to pray about that. Because it is in those moments where we really need each other. Technology is a beautiful thing. Technology has allowed that maybe you do have this group of people and it's a group of people that you went to college with. Or maybe it's a group of people that you went to high school with or a group of people you grew up with. And because of technology, you can be on a group text with each other. And when something happens in your life, you can put something on that group text. And you know those people who are going to receive that message are going to stop whatever they're going to do and they're going to pray. What a beautiful gift. But also what technology has done is it has isolated us more than ever. And study after study are showing right now that more often than not, people are lonelier than they've ever been and don't feel like they have that person to reach out to. So men, let me just take a second. I'm going to talk to you. Because when I speak on this, more often than not, it is us who have a hard time breaking, letting down and being bold enough to ask for this. So most of us men, if you do not have this group of people in your life, I want to encourage you, be the one to make the first move. Be the one to say, hey, I need these group of people in my life. I don't have it. Would you be willing to partner with me and persevere with me in prayer? Would you be willing that when I'm going through a difficult time that I could text you and we could meet up and that you would be available? 
Because guys, this is something that is vitally important for us to flourish in the life that God has created us to do. And what we do most of the time is we push it off to the edge and say, I'm fine, I don't need it. But the reality is we do. Women, the same goes for you. You guys are a little bit better at this than we are. But the reality is you need people alongside of you. So maybe it's a mom, maybe it's a sister, maybe it's cousins, it's good friends, whatever it is, two or three people that can persevere alongside of you. And I know what you may be thinking right now. You may be thinking, I am not good at this. I'm going to let other people down. It's easier for me to stay back because if I get too close, more than likely they're going to let me down or I'm going to let them down. The same thing happened to Jesus. We just read it three times. Three times Jesus goes and asks for his closest friends to just stay awake, to be present with them. And what did they do? They fell asleep. Jesus at first wasn't asking for a whole lot. He said, just stay here and remain with me. You don't have to do anything else. Just stay and remain. Just be present with me. And the reality is for us, in a, spot, in a lot of these relationships, if we're going to persevere with one another, it's not about doing the right thing, having the right thing to say all the time. It's about being present. And then Jesus kind of ups a little bit. Okay, be present, stay awake, and pray. So for us, if we are going to be in a relationship like this where we can encourage one another, persevere alongside one another, the primary thing that we need to do in that relationship is to be faithful, is to be consistent, is to show up, and to pray. And the reality is, guys, we are going to let each other down. There are going to be times that we say something that we really didn't mean to say. There are going to be times where we don't show up like we should show up. Jesus dealt with that with his disciples, with his friends, with his closest people. Yet he was gracious and kind and encouraging to them all the same. We need each other. So one of the things that I'm going to do here at the end of the sermon is I'm going to invite our prayer team to come up. And maybe you're sitting here today, and as I'm saying these words, what's going through your mind is, I don't even know where to start. I don't know who I could ask to, to even be this, because I'm not really that close to anyone. And the people that I'm close to don't really follow Jesus. And so for them to pray for me, that would be an odd request because they don't pray to begin with. What I want to invite you up to is come up here to our prayer team and just spend some time praying specifically for those people in your life. I think a lot of times with our prayer team up here, we think, okay, we got to go up and we need prayer when something serious is going on. When there's a, a sickness diagnosis or a major decision that needs to be made, then yes, I will come up and I will pray then. Our prayer team is up here to pray with you for anything. And one of the things that we really value here at Calvary is making sure that you have people in your life that can walk alongside you. And that for us is something that we desire to pray for you, something we desire to pray over you and desire to pray with you. So if you are sitting here today and you are to the place where you're like, I don't even know where to start, please, after the sermon, during the first worship song, come forward and allow our prayer team to pray with you for God to open a door, for someone to come into your life, or for him to open up your mind to who could come alongside of me and pray with me and for me. We need to persevere alongside each other. The third and final area that I'd like to talk about so that we can experience the reality of this garden in our life is that we need to be honest and obedient to God. 
We see here Jesus three times go and say, not my will, but your will. But if, Father, if there's another way to do this, I'm up for it. And the reality is this. For most of us, we're either really good at being honest with God, but because we're honest with God, obedience to God is really difficult. We like to tell him what we don't like, but we also don't like to do what he wants us to do. Maybe for you, obedience comes easy. Maybe, yeah, for me to obey the things that God has asked me to do, I'm really good at being obedient. But I don't feel the freedom to be honest. And the reality is, it's the mixture of those two. It's the combination of, you can be honest with God, but with that honesty, there is a call to obedience. We see that here with Jesus. We see that with David. David was a man after God's own heart, and he felt the freedom to be as honest with God as he could be. Times when he felt lonely, times when he felt abandoned, times when he felt let down, times when he felt like God was nowhere near. He would, he would communicate those. He'd write those down. But those Psalms always finished with, but in you I will place my trust. It's this posture of being honest with how we're feeling, but faithful in obedience. Same thing we see with Paul. Paul, in the New Testament, a lot of his letters, he would write, I do the things that I don't want to do, and I don't do the things that I do want to do. But in the midst of that, your grace is sufficient, and I will submit my life to you. This posture of honesty with obedience. The way I'd like to finish today is this. I'd like to read two pieces of Scripture. Um, first of all, it's going to be in Deuteronomy. We'll be in Deuteronomy 30. It's a little bit of a longer passage, so bear with me as we read through that, but it's really important. So Moses led the Israelites out of Egypt, and for a period of time, he was the leader of the Israelites. He is who the, God's people look to as their leader, and who God talked with and gave his main teaching to and through. And Moses is about ready to die. And he has this last message that he wants to give to the, the Israelites to encourage them. Then we're going to take a look. We're going to fast forward to Matthew and we're going to look at Jesus and his last teaching, the last thing that he said to his disciples before he left. And I want us to see the similarities here. And also Matthew, when he wrote his gospel, one of the things he was trying to do, he was writing to a primarily Jewish audience and he was trying to show them that Jesus was a new and better Moses. And so we're going to see a little bit of a comparison here, but I think it's important for us to look at, look at the whole. So go ahead and turn with me to Deuteronomy 30, and we're going to be in verse 11. And again, this is Moses giving his final instructions to those who he has led. Verse 11, This command I give you today is certainly not too difficult or beyond your reach. It's not in heaven so that you have to ask who will go to heaven and get it for us and proclaim it to us that we may follow it. And it's not across the sea so you have to ask who will cross the sea and get it for us so that we may follow it and proclaim it. But the message is very near you, in your mouth and in your heart, so that you may follow it. See, today I've set before you life and prosperity, death and adversity, for I am commanding you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in His ways, to keep His commands, His statutes and His ordinances, so that you may live and multiply, and the Lord may, your God may bless you in the land that you are entering to possess. 
But if your heart turns away and you do not listen, you are led astray to bow down and worship to other gods and serve them. I tell you today that you will certainly perish and you will not prolong your days in the land you are entering to possess across the Jordan. I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you today. I've set before you to choose life or death, blessing and curse. Choose life so that you and your descendants may live. Love the Lord your God. Obey Him. Remain faithful to Him. For He is your life. He will prolong your days as you live in the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Here, Moses is presenting two options. Life or death, blessing or curse. And he is encouraging the Israelites to choose life. And to choose life means to obey the things that God has asked them to do to obey His commands, to follow His statutes, to walk in His ways. So then we move to Jesus. Jesus in Matthew 28, after He's been crucified, raised from the dead, spent 40 days with His disciples, teaching them about the kingdom of God. This is His final message to them. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Two similarities. Obey the commands. Teach and obey the commands. And I will be with you always. With Moses, he said, this, is, this teaching is not far away that you can't grasp it. No, it's within you. It's in your mouth. It's in your heart. When we walk in the way of Jesus, His presence is with us. When we're walking through difficult and tough times, His presence is near us. If we are going to experience this garden reality in our lives, we are called to be obedient. Whether you're seven years old or 70 years old, obedience can be tough. But it's been my experience that when I put these things into practice, when I get away with the Father, when I have people around me to encourage me, to persevere with me, and when I'm honest with God and when I'm obedient, He's near and I can flourish. And that invitation is there for all of us. So that leads me to our daily training. Three practices. Pick one, pick two, maybe all three, but whatever the Lord is inviting you into. If you don't have a quiet place to get away with the Lord, go. Find a quiet place. Find a place to meet with God. If you don't have this, it might be a little bit tough at first. It might feel a little bit awkward. Remain faithful. Push through. If you don't have people in your life to pray or to persevere alongside, come up here in just a few moments and let us pray for that. And three, be honest, be obedient with God, to God. In that, you will flourish and you will find life. Let's pray. Father God, I'm thankful for Jesus. I'm thankful for His example. Lord, I'm thankful for the reality is because he was honest with you, 
we were able, and obedient to you, Father, we were able to experience the freedom and the forgiveness of our sins. Father, thank you that you promised never to leave us, that you will always be near. And I pray as we leave here today, Lord, whatever you are inviting us into, that we would be faithful and obedient to walk in that. I pray right now for those who even now are going back and forth in their mind of whether they're going to come forward and to pray a bold prayer. Father, I pray for boldness. I pray for courage, Lord. That they would come forward, Lord, and that you would, they would take the first step of finding people that they can walk with, that can walk with them through the ups and the downs of this life. Thank you that we are not supposed to live and walk in this alone, but you, we are made to do that with you and with others. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray.